Hey, thanks for downloading the podcast. If you want to listen live, all you have to do is download the iHeartRadio app and search for Fantasy Sports Radio Network. Also, if you want to catch this show on video, be sure to check out Zumo TV, channel 719. That's where you can find SportsGrid's Fantasy Sports Network. Enjoy the show, and thanks so much for listening. Rise and shine, sports investors. It's a beautiful day in the neighborhood. Today is Friday, May 8th. Let's cock-a-doodle-do it. This is the early line right here on SportsGrid. I'm Dane Martinez. He's Kevin Walsh. Closing out, honestly, Kevin, what is a big-time week because we've been talking about it all week. NBA facilities starting to open. The NFL releasing its schedule with no kind of uh, fear that it's not going to happen, right? College football starting to talk about it. And, Kevin, we are also getting word about the one that may start the quickest, which is Major League Baseball. Commissioner Rob Manfred is going to have a call, you know, kind of with all parties involved, to uh, share a little bit of the details on how this might look. Now, we talked about the the Nightingale plan, like Trevor Plouffe is out there talking. (laughs) But, Kevin... It seems like where there's smoke, there's fire. If Manfred's going to have a call with the union and the players, it seems like we're starting to talk turkey here. Yeah, I, I think so. And, and baseball, I would say, of the major sports right now, is feels like they've been the most aggressive. And not in a naive way, but they are very obviously chomping at the bit because they had spring training going right, right I mean, right there. Like the cusp of the beginning of their season had it pulled away. And they, you know, they want to get back out there. And I think in some ways, the nature of baseball is a sport that does allow for people to be a bit further apart. So perhaps right. they feel like there is more that they can do. And uh, clearly, I, I think the interesting thing for baseball is, you know, because they haven't started their season, unlike, you know, the NHL and basketball, right. they have the ability to be a lot more flexible. That's why that Nightingale proposal um, with the new divisions and the realignment uh, is, you know, we've, I think we're able to even entertain stuff like that because, well, we haven't started yet. So we're going to do what we have to do to make this season uh, a possibility. And it, it feels like we're getting close to that point. It does. Now, one of the things I thought was interesting, it seems like the players and the uh, owners, right, have already agreed that for every game lost, yes, the players will sacrifice one 162nd of their salary, right? And that has already been kind of bargained and worked out, and that's cool. But it sounds, Kevin, like uh, the commissioner and the owners are going to try and go back to the table and ask the players to take a bigger hit because now, even when we do have these games, these games are not going to have fans, right? So they wind up losing some of the revenue from the gate, from concession stands. This is really going to be only about TV money. Okay, so if you think about it in that way, they're asking the players to take a little bit more of a hit. And we've seen this in other sports. It's not necessarily easy now to figure out, well, who's going to share the pain, right? Uh, like, it's not only the owners that are going to wind up taking a hit in their pocketbooks. They're going to have to kind of share this as well. How do you see this coming out? It's this is, you know, what's going to be the holdup for these, uh, you know, organizations that have unions, something we we had somewhat spoke about yesterday. And this is kind of where you see this stuff come into an effect here. The 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 players are already taking a hit. Right. And there's almost this like, of course, they're going to take a hit. They're not going to play the full 162. Why would we pay them the full 162? But it's also not solely their like their responsibility to shoulder the burden that is fans not being there, right? And I also think, you know, if you're baseball, you have to be – and when I say you're baseball, I mean like the owners and, and the front offices. and The you royal have we. To be, 
yeah, like you have to be very cautious in your approach here because you can only push so far with this because you, if you push them to the point where they feel like they're now being hard done by, they're already to a degree probably feel as if they're maybe taking a risk to go there, right? Like at the end of the day, how many owners are actually going to be the ones leaving their houses? Not really. Right. So if they're, so the players and of course, you know, the managers alike are the ones taking the risk. I think, you know, and you know, this is more of a finance things and they have to check their books. Right. But right. you're going to take a hit more so than you probably want to, but also more likely than not, and very more likely than not, they can afford to more than most people in this world. Yeah, I guess that is true. Right. Like, listen, in these last couple of months, I've, I've lost like 20% on my portfolio, on my nest egg, right? And that's one thing, but 20% to these owners and 20% to the part-time, you know, $15 an hour worker, these are all different things. Yeah. You know, Chris Rock has a great bit in his, uh, in one of his comedy sketches, you know, and when he's talking about OJ Simpson and like getting, getting, have a wife take half, he's like, listen, if you make 50,000, and your wife wants 25, that's one thing. But you make 30 million, and your <laughs> wife wants half the way Chris Rock says it at least. He goes, yeah. you may have to kill her. Now, <laughs> that's Chris Rock. That's comedy. That was also comedy in the 90s. And comedy in the 90s and comedy in the 20s, I can't believe I just said that, are completely different things. But they are going to have to figure this out. And you mentioned unions, and I mentioned everything having to be collectively bargained. But just the fact that we are now at that point yeah. where we got to figure that out, means to me that maybe baseball is on the horizon. Yeah. I don't know. I think July 4th would be awesome, Kevin. I think if on July 4th everybody plays and it could be kind of, um, you know, ceremonial on some mm -hmm. levels, bring out the flags, okay. you know, across the whole thing, have the planes flying overhead and kind of welcome the American pastime on the American holiday. And what mm -hmm. that would do would give you the month of June for this kind of uh, ramp-up time, like we're talking about in all sports, right? We're seeing it in the NBA. They need to hit the court and get into game shape. We're seeing it in a lot of sports, and maybe that gives baseball the time they need for spring training 2.0. Yeah, I think July 4th, I mean, it is perfect, right? In the same right. way that the NBA now thinks they may open their Christmas. season potentially on Christmas, right? Because they're trying to make Christmas their day, which is incredibly right. smart marketing, right? Now for baseball, you know, you can really make July 4th your day. The only thing I will say, if I am baseball, the only way I am pushing it back, right? Like if I can on a hypothetical say go on June 27th, Dude, like, I'm going on June 27th. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, I'm not holding it off just for the ceremonial aspect That's because baseball... I got to spin as many games as possible, Kevin. I can't wait an extra week just because it looks cool. Exactly. Right, no, no, that's the thing. Like, like there's like we're, like we're don't hold this off because, oh, this is a good... Set. Like, especially, too, for baseball, this is a big moment for yeah. baseball. Very, very big moment, right? Like, again, the constant talk surrounding this league is how do we make our game more attractive? Now, nobody uh, in the meeting offered, I know, a pandemic and we're first right. back. Like, nobody... I got a great idea. Right. Like, <laughs> Let's no kill 100,000 Americans. Right, like, that, that wasn't in the playbook. With right. that being said, if baseball is first back, I mean, it will be unlike anything that baseball has experienced in a very long time. Like, they will become the sport like even during that like july month where they're the only main sport on you will still see basketball and football 
dominating headlines with the NBA's offseason and free agency. That is always wild, of course. And, you know, the NFL always has their big updates. Like, this is – it's a big moment for baseball. And I'm not saying that baseball should turn around and start tomorrow. What I'm saying is if they are feeling this out and they're saying, we can do this, and they're getting the right thumbs up uh, from certain officials, then – this is a very, very big opportunity for baseball because, again, like if people are up watching the KBO, and that's not a shot right. at the KBO, but it's right. the lack of familiarity that exists there. Imagine being able to tell the Yankees fans that – not even Yankees games. They can watch Mets games again. They'll be through right. the moon to, to watch Jacob deGrom pitch. Sure. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I was a little bit heartbroken when I heard that the Little League World Series was going to be canceled because that's yeah. something that I always, you know, me and my stepfather always tune into, you know, kind of nostalgic and whatnot. But you talk about baseball, maybe the first sport. I'm hearing even other sports starting to get ready. Remember, the PGA Tour looks like they're going to get going actually in June. And maybe they don't need as much time to kind of have that ramp up game shape idea because individual golfers may be able to practice or get their swings in kind of while they are sheltered in place. Another sport that I think is interesting, and it's sort of in between what you're talking about, Kevin, in terms of baseball hasn't started yet, NBA is still all the way almost at their playoffs. An interesting sport to me is MLS, Kevin. MLS has started its regular season, but they played like one or two out of about 35 games that they play. I think it's a 34-game season, regular, you know, regular season. They played like two so far, okay? Mm -hmm. And to your other point... In soccer, you're outdoors, you're spread out, you know, it's a little bit more socially distant than some other sports. I understand they get together in the box and all that. Yeah. Um, again, without fans, but I do think soccer and the MLS could be an interesting sport to keep an eye on. And I've heard that their facilities are opening back up as well. But one thing to watch, okay, these MLS teams are not as entrenched as the NBA franchises or Major League Baseball teams, okay? The idea of a new expansion team, and there were two in the MLS this year, I believe Miami and maybe Cincinnati or Nashville is another mm -hmm. one. They may not be able to take this hit. OK, they just started their franchise and now they're going to have to go at it and not get any revenue from fans coming into buildings. They're a relatively new product. They don't have the merchandise out just yet. They don't have the buzz. And in their inaugural season, you would need these kind of like pep rally events, you know, publicity. And you can't get that in these covid times. It's and it's where actually, because even though they're a major sports franchise, they likely don't have network deals of that right. that can pull them through. They also certainly don't have years of network revenue that can pull them through, a, you know, this kind of circumstance. Mm -hmm. But I do think like these, these leagues have to be looking at the KBO. And again, they have to be smart, but they also have to start chomping at the bit. Like the fact that, you know, we are all now breaking down, you know, Tigers twins games and neither are playing in Minnesota or in Detroit, like says a lot kind of about where things are. And for the chance like Miami FC, to right. be on E and that's the thing, like they will be on ESPN. Like mm -hmm. if if they come back, because ESPN is looking like we're talking about, you know, these KBO games that are starting at five thirty in the morning. I will also say soccer is incredibly interesting. Because oh, yeah. it is I'm a I oh I mean I, I ever since I you know started playing FIFA a couple years back, soccer's like always been a part uh, a massive part of my sports diet. What's so fascinating about it is, and it's completely, I think, unique, like, obviously the MLS has their season, right? Just as mm -hmm. so does the NBA, and so does the NFL. Yeah. 
But as a whole, soccer is very much so a year-round sport. It just depends sure. where you're playing. MLS this season is actually contrarian to the rest of the world. Yes. Yes, it is. So that's interesting. That, that helps the coverage of uh, all 12 months. And that is absolutely interesting. By the way, it is Miami FC and I believe Austin, Texas is the other team. Cincinnati was one of the expansion teams last year. But listen, we're in an environment where some of big, you know, the big box retailers are now acknowledging that this hit is too much. I saw that J. Crew is filing for back bankruptcy, right? So if, if an entrenched kind of corporate business you know, after two months, it's, you know, tough to stay afloat. I truly do wonder about a team like Miami FC, a team like Austin that is just starting off in MLS. Or think about it, some of these other lower leagues, like will every WA, WNBA franchise be able to sustain this? Will, will Major League Lacrosse be able to, you know, handle this? I find it very, very interesting. When we come back, though, here on the early line, because we are off and running, Kevin's saying we're all looking at the KBO. So let's take a look at the KBO. That's what we're going to do on the other side of the break. Good morning, everybody. It's Dane and Kevin. DailyRoto.com. Learn from the game's best DFS players. We don't just give you premier advice. We play every day. All major sports, all year round, we never stop. Industry-leading DFS tools and custom projections. And now, the DailyRoto.com Optimizer. In minutes, build an optimized lineup for cash games and tourneys. Learn from the game's best DFS players. Join DailyRoto.com. Welcome back into the early line, everyone. Dane Martinez and Kevin Walsh taking you around the sports as we are getting close, everybody. We're starting to iron out some of the details. We're seeing it in the NFL. We're seeing it in the NBA. We're hearing word about this even in Major League Baseball. We're hearing about it in MLS. We talked about it over the break, Kevin. Bundesliga <laughs> out there in Europe is getting started as well in a couple of weeks. And here's the thing. We've been talking about it, Kevin, like following... Uh, the lead or reading the tea leaves of what the KBO is doing, right? And I think, you know, a league like Bundesliga, which is a big-time league, if you're not a soccer fan, you know, soccer is the biggest sport in the entire world, and in Germany, it is a huge league. I mean, I'm sure you've heard of teams like Bayern Munich and Dortmund and things of, of that nature. Of I purpose, I Personally, I like Brothers Maglenblock. I don't know how to pronounce it. But it's an amazing name. Yes, yes. Uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, I, we're going to check that the logo. out. But they're Again, putting it up on the screen right now so you can yeah, see yeah, it. Yeah. pronounce it with the frenetic well, spelling. I feel like it's Barisha M. Gladback, but like M, that's. Right, but it's like M apostrophe Gladback. Yeah, and that yeah, apostrophe yeah. stands for like three syllables. Okay, yeah, so it's big. Funny. But in any event, the true thing <laughs> is that. What kind of lessons can we learn from this, Kevin? You know, what happens when inevitably somebody on, you know, Borussia Dortmund gets COVID? Like, what are they going to do? What are they going to do when an umpire in the KBO gets COVID? You know, and I think it's important for the United States to also see what is happening, whether it's in Germany, whether it's in Taiwan, you know, whether it's ultimately uh, – on, you know, the horse racing track in Dubai, you know, to kind of apply some of the lessons learned. So I think, right, one of the one of the biggest things we can say is part of the reason the KBO is up and running is, as a whole, that country seemingly right. took the necessary precautions more so than what was taken here stateside. Um, now, funny enough, right, and again, we I always find some way to throw wrestling in there somewhere. 
But on Wednesday, AEW had a live show. Ah, yes. And AEW was... Because AEW, unlike WWE, and not throwing shade here, but I think people can acknowledge what it is, is AEW is a lot more forthcoming, at least so far within their infancy than WWE is. WWE has never said COVID. I don't even know if they've ever said the word pandemic on their broadcasting since this has begun. AEW uh, on Wednesday was very open. Uh, they actually tested every single person who was in the, that building for that show that they did on May 6th. They're gonna, then going to do another set of tapings for coronavirus that everybody had tested negative and they were very excited about the show that they put on. In total, uh, between the wrestlers who were in action and then basically the way you know that they're looking to try to still create a, a an atmosphere, if you will, an environment, is by having wrestlers on the side. As fans. As fans. And now you, you could see it very much so in that broadcast that they expanded it a lot more, where in total, you know, they maybe had... Okay. 12 wrestlers on previous episodes. I mean, you were looking 20 plus north of, in, in, you know, now when they were sitting spread out, um, but it's going to be interesting to kind of see if, you know, if, if AEW is able to right. continue that, right, with that kind of group. And, it, you know, I think it's one of the bigger groups we've kind of seen in terms of a, a sports outing, at least it felt like that. And then they were able to do their tests. Um, but so that, you're saying that's what a stadium could ultimately look like in the NBA come five months from now? It's 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 certainly plausible, I would say. I think the biggest holdup is, you know, wrestling is still sometimes more of an outlaw product in a way. Like they're able right, to kind of right. go at their own beat of their drum to some degree. And, you know, the NBA has been very, you know, the key for us is to be able to test players, but we can't hoard 15,000 tests while the rest right. of the world needs testing. Now, you know, uh, AW did not need anywhere near that amount of tests, but also, you know, AW will bring in the necessary tests that they need in order for them to kind of continue sure. their expansion. So I just thought that that was something that was interesting where we saw a, a right. pseudo sports league, if you will, so I can appease people who dislike wrestling, <laughs> um, do the testing, run a show. And, you know, it, it was a very, very well received show as well. So here's the thing, right? And I think it was something like these players have to be not only tested, but the temperature screening. And we saw that with NBA facilities opening. And this is part of the quote-unquote new normal, right? In some countries already, just to get on the subway system, you got to get your temperature checked. And yeah. so maybe that's another thing we will start to see what these precautions will look like and how we learn these lessons, whether it's from, you know, Bundesliga, whether it's from AEW, or whether it's from the Korean baseball organization. So I got to ask you, yesterday, we were seeing the under kind of a slight lean to the unders. We were seeing some favorites. Are are the runs still coming, or is the D-Juice baseball starting mm. to still reign supreme? So the most uh, recent slate that we were able to pull from, again, a nice five-game slate, yep. uh, the third game for a lot of these teams in their series, and we saw every single game. Getaway day. Ten or more runs. Every wow. single game on the slate. No exceptions made. Uh, yeah, two of them, I think, came bang on at 10, but that's still double digits. And that's still, uh, I didn't see any of the totals be listed at higher th than 10, right? The highest total I think we've seen for a KBO game is nine and a half. And what, I, it, it, you know, I can't really say it's all familiarity against pitchers because it's different pitchers, right? Now, obviously, you know, they might use some bullpen guys the same, but 
you know, if if hitters are are, are catching up, and it could have just been a day of offense, but I thought it was right. it felt more than a coincidence that day three every game saw double digit runs. You know what's interesting to me because you're right, there is a different pitcher on the hill, right? And in baseball, the old saying is momentum is the name of tomorrow's starting pitcher. But the question for me is the fact that there's only ten teams. Right. So you're seeing these teams a lot more frequently mm-hmm. than you would in Major League Baseball. Right. In Major League Baseball, you ultimately see 29 other teams, although you obviously see the four in your division a lot more. The American League and National League, you see a lot more. But you do have some level of interleague. So you have to kind of have a book on all these pitchers and the KBO with only 10 teams and you're only playing nine of them. Maybe by definition, you're starting to see more familiarity. And that makes me wonder, Kevin, because Mm -hmm. if you talk about Major League Baseball opening back up, the proposal is that we're going to merge these divisions, right? And you're going to play in only your division to minimize travel. So that means you're only going to be playing nine other teams, right? We're going to have three 10-team divisions, or at least that's what it looks like, and you're going to play your only division. So in the KBO, if there's only 10 teams, that's in essence what Major League Baseball teams are going to see in this weird 2020 season. Do you think the theory could hold true that even in Major League Baseball, because there's only 10 teams or nine that you're going to see all year, you're going to start having an increased level of familiarity, kind of getting the book on these guys quicker, Mm -hmm. and ultimately, maybe as the middle or the end of the season, might that familiarity lead to more offense? Yeah, I, I, it's an amazing point. It really, really is, and and it it totally make it totally checks out, right? Like we already know in baseball that familiarity is key, right? And that's why yes. sometimes you always hear during games, third time through the lineup for this exactly. guy, right? And now it's third time through the lineup, and it's also the third time he's pitched. It's the third game. series they've had in the last month, exact and. Also, like, it's also just the ability to kind of solely lock in on nine teams. Yeah. Period, right? Like the scouting report is a lot easier. Exactly. And, you know, people would, would probably maybe somewhat push back, right, and say, well, pitchers can do the same. They can see what tendencies the hitters don't have. But true. pitchers are sometimes they're, – they're more limited than a hitter, right, because they can still only throw so many pitches. And – the tendencies that exist for a pitcher, right? I trust this pitch more in, in a sure. when I'm behind. Like, it's hard to shake those. Whereas for a hitter, if a guy throws you a bunch of curveballs and you can't hit him, the next time you see him, hey, curveballs are yeah. coming, right? It's called like, Pedro Serrano from Major League. Yeah, exactly. Long, long, that's all he got until him and Jobu had to have a heart-to-heart. <laughs> but no, but that's a very real thing. And if you just have at least a little bit of patience, they'll, they'll probably still land in the dirt. Like, So I think that that's a really, really good point is just kind of – and maybe not off the bat, right? With you know, Because the KBO, we oh, had a 4-1 and one under day uh, you know, on, on that Wednesday slate. Um, so maybe even this could, you know, to some degree be a bit of, of regression now with a 5-0 and over day. But I, I think that it's a really, really good takeaway from this and what baseball, uh, what the Major League Baseball product could look like. If we're going to have those divisions, uh, I got to think by midseason even sounds, I think it's, I think it's earlier than midseason. You know, it might just yeah. even be when, okay, this is the third time the Yankees are seeing the, the Mets. Fullest. Yeah. Right, Exactly. Like, let's let's make a, a note of this. This yeah. is a big deal. That could be interesting. I mean, there's so many things. You know, we've had that show already 
uh, trying to get ahead of it, right? And how, whether it's different divisions, whether it's teams that all of a sudden have players that will be healthy, that wouldn't have been before. I know we talked about this in basketball with guys like Ben Simmons yesterday, guys potentially like Kevin Durant, John Wall, Nurkic. But this happens in baseball as well, Kevin. I mean, I'm a Yankees fan. I'm thinking about James Paxton. James Paxton had surgery in like February or March, would not have been ready for opening day. But now opening day, you know, is going to be what, late June, early July? He's going to be ready to roll. You know, and so that clearly changes, say, the fantasy baseball value of some players. But I think about that, you know, not only in the fantasy sense, but for the real team as well. Not only for uh, players who are coming back from injury, but you and I both know, Kevin, there's a lot of young guns all the time or arms that have innings limits. Right. And guess what? If you're only playing a hundred game season, you can empty the tank and you're never going to get to the 140 innings or the 160 innings or whatever it was to be able to like treat you with kid gloves um, in your mm-hmm. development. So I think that's another very interesting thing to note. Uh, suspensions are still out there for performance sure. enhancing drugs. All these things now compressed into we'll see 75 games, 100 I- games, 120 mm-hmm. games. We're going to have to adjust to it. We'll talk about that a little bit more on the other side of the break. I just want to say one more thing quickly about the KBO that that I've kind of been wondering is because we're all right. Like people who are betting this league, you're you're starting to to learn more and more about it. Right. But I think one of the things that when you talk about like baseball is baseball. Right. But the difference maker is I can tell you the Yankees starting lineup and not just the Yankees. Right. The KBO, you're not as familiar. And where I think it'll be interesting to see, and of course, we never want injury, but is what happens the first time a key cog in a lineup and the KBO goes out? And is it a, is it a simple situation where the people who have been grinding KBO are going to spot it, see it, and be able to take advantage? Or, because we see this sometimes in betting, everybody sees a guy go out mm-hmm. and everybody talks about it. So now everybody thinks they have this great angle it becomes of over. Yeah, the overpowered. five hitters out and it's actually time to go the other way. That's kind of going to be one of the interesting things is the first time we get the public KBO game to me. Yeah, I think it will be interesting um, to see if we could recognize the trends and adjust to make a little bit of extra cash off of it. Another thing that'll be interesting to see this weekend, UFC 249 is on and popping. You know, maybe there's lessons to be learned from there, but it's an opportunity to win a little bit of extra cash. When we come back on the other side of the break, we're going to get Kevin Walsh's thoughts on this card. He's an MMA guy. He's going to help us out. We're going to make a little bit of extra money this weekend, all right? So come on back for that. It's Dane and Kevin. This is the early line right here on SportsGrid. DailyRoto.com. Learn from the game's best DFS players. We don't just give you premier advice. We play every day. All major sports, all year round, we never stop. Industry-leading DFS tools and custom projections. And now, the DailyRoto.com Optimizer. In minutes, build an optimized lineup for cash games and tourneys. Learn from the game's best DFS players. Join DailyRoto.com. All right, welcome back, everybody, to the early line right here on SportsGrid. Dane Martinez and Kevin Walsh giving you the edge bright and early in the morning. I call it we cock-a-doodle do it, trying to get you a little bit of extra cash. We've been talking about some of the things that are still actually happening, right? Whether it's professional wrestling, whether it's baseball in Korea. But one thing that will be happening here 
not the ponies. We've had some of the ponies running, but we've got humans beating each other up. It's <laughs> UFC 249. But before we get into the card, and Kevin Walsh, we're going to get some thoughts on some of these matches because this is, again, live sports that we could take advantage of. People were betting the NFL draft like crazy, and that was just Roger Goodell in his basement and, you know, video conferencing with 19-year-olds. Yeah, this yeah. is going to be grown-ass men, you know, making each other bleed. So I'm all for it. Okay, mm -hmm. but my first question for you is, tell us a little bit about why this event is happening this weekend instead of back in April and why it's happening in Jacksonville instead mm -hmm. of in California or on an island somewhere that Dana White bought. Yeah, so California pushed back entirely. They did not want uh, – earlier they tried to run this event. Uh, it was going to be Khabib and Tony. They were trying right. to get it done in L.A. I believe Gavin Newsom um, is the governor's name who, who said, look, we got to push this all back. And I think right there ESPN was kind of reading the tea leaves that this would actually do us more harm than good putting yeah, this Mickey event House on. Yeah, want blood on his hands. Exactly. So they basically said UFC shut this thing down. And, you know, the UFC, that's who's going to be providing the show or, you know, so right. – the pay-per-view provider like so obviously then you kind of uh have your hands tied behind your back it was probably the only thing that would stop dana white from putting that show on was exactly mm -hmm. what took place and now they go to jacksonville we know florida has been opened up jacksonville is where right. aw is running apparently the ufc fighters and the aw wrestlers are actually staying in the same hotel uh, you know, it'd be interesting to see if there's ever any crossover stuff that those guys could do. Right, um, right. If, if they're I'd so interested. I'd be interested to see, like, the chef. Who the main sous chef is, oh, like, in that sure. hotel and what they have to cook sure. in order to do that. You know, sure. I think it's very interesting, like, just what, peanut butter and uh, quinoa all yeah, day? Yeah, oh, no, I digress. It, it, no, it's a, <laughs> no, it's a really good point. Kind of like the absolute obscure uh, asks that. Those, right? uh, that, that group of people. <laughs> exactly. Uh, I'm sure they're very particular that. about what they put in their body yeah. on some levels. But anyway, go yeah, ahead. It, it depends, of course, right? Um, but, yeah, so, so now, uh, you know, they're ready to go in Florida. Florida was up and running. I actually was quite surprised because um, the news about Florida being open to sports, right, right. Is, you know, some handshakes, I think, led to wrestling becoming essential media and sports as sure. a whole in Florida. Follow the becoming... money on that one, Kevin. Right, exactly. I, I kind of was expecting uh, the UFC to be running sooner than they are um, on May 9th. But nevertheless, here we are, and uh, and they're ready to go, and they're looking to hit the ground running. And I, You know, Dana White, um, you know, obviously they have their obligations to, you know, a certain amount of content to ESPN. And uh, so they're not just going this Saturday, but then they're going to be going again on Wednesday, um, which I joke is kind of funny because the Wednesday night wars that exist, oh. right, for some people in wrestling with AEW and NXT, UFC is getting themselves up in the mix. And then I believe it is next Saturday again, the UFC will be up and running. So this is a really, really big moment for the UFC as well. If they can knock it yeah. out of the park this Saturday, which with a very, very stacked card. And then I'm, I'm, I'm assuming Wednesday wouldn't be a pay-per-view, but would be a regular ESPN show. Sure. And they can do some big numbers there. You know, it's, it's, a, it's a chance for the UFC to potentially gain some real momentum. Yeah, and this is interesting to me because it's not only UFC that's kind of going back-to-back, -back, shall we say. You know, right. when NASCAR is coming out, and by the way, they are running in Darlington in a couple of weeks. I believe it's May 17th, but they're going to run like two or three races a week. And I wonder about the toll on the race car driver. Obviously, in UFC, it'll be different guys fighting and different ladies fighting, right? But uh, 
you know, in NASCAR, they're going to run two or three races in a week. I wonder what the toll that is oh. on the athlete that is the race car driver. We were talking about soccer also. In MLS, they're talking about multiple games in a week. And you run, you know, like 10 miles in a soccer match to sack up and do it again, you know, 72 hours later will yeah. be very intriguing. I want to ask you about one more kind of overarching point. Uh, before we get into some of these matches, you mentioned idea that, you know, Gavin Newsom in the state of California shut it down before you were talking about the networks, you know, and again, this is how it has to be a collaborative effort. State mm -hmm. and local governments, the, the front offices, the owners, the players, the unions, the TV, it really all has to be this collaborative effort. And if ESPN didn't like the public relations look and the governor didn't want it, you know, while we were uh, stuck at home, then it wasn't going to happen. But now... This card moved from, I believe it was like mid-April, now here to early May. I'm reminded of, say, and I know it sounds silly, but horse racing, and how all these horses were steering and training to be at their absolute best for the first Saturday in May for the Kentucky Derby, and now all of a sudden that's in September, and they have to completely change their training regimen. Yeah. I'm thinking about the Olympics that are canceled for this summer 2020 and are going to happen in 2021 and how these world-class athletes have to change their training to now yeah. be primed and ready to go 12 months later. For a UFC fighter, I know they have camps and training and sparring and they're trying to get, you know, in tip-top optimal performance for the middle of April. Now it's the beginning or middle of May. What kind of changes to training will some of these guys, whether it's Tony Ferguson or someone further down on the card, yeah. how do you think their uh, training regimen have changed? Because they now have to be in tip-top shape for this weekend. Well, that's the thing. And, you know, we'll probably may maybe we'll work the card in reverse order. But okay. just a, a note on the main event that you mentioned with Tony Ferguson and, and Justin Gaethje. They are attacking this from two completely different scenarios. Tony Ferguson was supposed to fight Khabib Nurmagomedov yep. much earlier. And Russia, this is like the fifth time they tried to fight with Khabib, it's right? The single most cursed fight in the history of the sport. No arguments to be had. It is two of the best the division has absolutely ever seen. Some people would tell you the two best the division has ever seen. Absolutely. And each time that they've tried to make that fight, it wasn't like, oh, they tried it. It's not like it's been booked in wrestling. Oh, they won seven, eight. No, they've been like the each time it's been like, oh, this is either for the belt or it's a number one contender shot. And it's been canceled, as you said, I think four times now. Right. Um, but so Tony has been ramping up for a while. Gaethje filling in for Khabib is taking this more so on short notice. And right. it's something that, of course, you have to kind of think about and how and how that can play in. Ultimately, it's you know, it comes down to how much you trust certain fighters. And that's where, too. You know, as I, as I talk to, you know, people who are, you know, even bigger UFC fans than myself, right, and they follow mm -hmm. this sport uh, incredibly closely, they, they always talk about trying to watch the content that the UFC will post to their social medias, right, whether it be, uh, you know, the embedded, the countdown shows, get the feeling for what these guys are saying, because it, the fight game is different, man, the fight game is different, like, it, it the mindset of these guys matters as much as the, the toolbox that they're going to be able to step into that octagon with. And the mindset going into this card is potentially as unique as we've ever seen. So I highly recommend going out of you know your way and watching as many of those uh, videos that you can because it, it does, and they will peel the curtain back. You will feel yeah. like you understand these guys and where they're coming from a bit more um, than, you know, I've known people who will pick fights solely 
based off a clip they see in an embedded video on UFC. And they will end up right. So as consume as much of that content as you can, because, look, if we're all looking for content from the sports world, and they're sure. usually very, very, very well done. So I would highly recommend that for those who are looking to wager on the UFC's upcoming show. All right, well, fair enough, but the early line right here on SportsGrid is also content that you can watch to help you win a little bit of extra cash. So let's start. You want to start at the top of the card, or you kind of want to, like, work and reverse engineer it? Let's start with Ferguson um, and Gaith, just because you already mentioned that a little bit, right? Mm -hmm. Ferguson, as you mentioned, was supposed to have the fight against Khabib. This was, like, the fifth try at making that fight of Ferguson versus Khabib, but Khabib is still stuck in Russia, apparently, right? It won't make it happen. Ferguson, I'm staring at roughly a minus 175, minus 180 favorite. Mm-hmm. Justin Gaethje, who's on, a, I believe, like a three-fight winning streak, you know, is like the number four contender, I believe, in the division. Yeah. He's at plus 150. Give me in broad strokes. Style makes fight. I, I, I know about the boxing game. And one of the gotcha. damn axioms all the time is style makes fight. What are the styles of these two guys? Oh, they're both lunatics. And okay. they are going <laughs> That's to go style out I like. and put on a show. I mean, this is the perfect main event. In ter- like, for, for the situation, like, to grab eyes. Now, the only <clears throat> way that this ends up not being the perfect main event is if people are, oh, it's too much violence, which... Obviously, then to each his own. But if that's a takeaway that you might have coming away from the UFC, then maybe you probably <laughs> won't be t- right. You probably wouldn't be tuning in anyway. I mean, Justin Gaethje had a, had a quote this week where he said, "Yeah, I'm gonna need Tony Ferguson to break my nose. I, I haven't actually been able to breathe out of it correctly anyway. So maybe if he breaks it, that'll be good." I mean, Gaethje is a balls to the walls kind of guy. He is going in there to stand and bang. He's actually a pretty good wrestler, but he just doesn't use it. Like there are times in his career he has been critiqued for not using his wrestling enough. And it's, he's like, well, that's not what I'm here for. And mm-hmm. Tony Ferguson is one of the absolute best fighters in the world. Uh, I think the last time he lost was like 2012. I, I mean, the dude is wow. just out of this world. Injuries are the only thing that have kind of held him back from having a long reign seemingly as the champion of this division. And also, obviously, that's kind of played a part in that Khabib fight not happening. I leaned. So I like Tony Ferguson in this fight. I think Tony Ferguson is the more complete fighter. And also, I think that Justin Gaethje, and, and look, I appreciate it, but I believe he is going in there to create highlights and to create moments. Okay. And that's awesome. But Tony Ferguson's path is a bit different. Like, the amount of work that this guy has put in to, to this moment, like, he will be, I, uh, I believe, crowned interim champion after this. Like, he, he look, he's going to stand and bang, but he's also incredible at it. And he will slip elbows, and he will ankle pick, and he will make it happen. And mm-hmm. I just think he's—I just think he's the better fighter. So, I, and you know, another adjustment for people is we're talking all money lines here, right? There's no spread. So Tony right. Ferguson at a minus 175 price is more uh, okay. than fair. So I like Tony. And again, also, I think I lean with him having more prep time. Taking Tony Ferguson on short notice is not an enviable task. That makes sense. So it seems like you're leaning Ferguson at the minus 175, minus 180. And to your other point, how these guys are going to go after it, right? I look at other butts here on FanDuel, and they show kind of the method of victory. And for Ferguson, you know, knockout, TKO, that's plus 260, whereas Ferguson on points is plus 600. Same thing with Justin Gaethje, right? Like the idea of him winning by knockout or TKO fight stoppage is plus 195, but him winning by points is is 12 to 1, right? So that speaks to me. If you could find a bet 
like this fight will not go the distance. Is that something you'd recommend? Yeah, and and those those are options, but the the juice will be heavy, right? Now okay. I know I know from talking with you about the draft, right? You're okay with basically pulling two bets, if heavy be- juiced, but if they're going to cash, they're going to cash. And that's All something right. that you can certainly do here. There are tons of options when betting the UFC and we can continue to yeah. to break those down certainly. So maybe we don't think this fight will go the distance, but it is a stack card. We'll start to talk about some of the other fights on this card. UFC 249. We're trying to win a bit of extra cash because then, you know, you could buy a Mother's Day gift and and, and parlay it and give it to your mom. Or just give her the straight cash, homie, like your name is Randy Moss. We're coming back. It's the early line. We'll continue to dig into UFC 249 after this. DailyRoto.com. Learn from the game's best DFS players. We don't just give you premier advice. We play every day. All major sports, all year round, we never stop. Industry-leading DFS tools and custom projections. And now, the DailyRoto.com Optimizer. In minutes, build and optimize lineups for cash games and tourneys. Learn from the game's best DFS players. Join DailyRoto.com. All right, everybody, welcome back here to the early line. Dane Martinez and Kevin Walsh. And we're talking about UFC 249. We talked a little bit about the main event, even though Khabib will not be in it. Justin Gaethje and Tony Ferguson are, in Kevin's opinion, ready to bring the fireworks. It doesn't look like this will go the full distance. uh, And it looks like Kevin is slightly leaning towards Tony Ferguson. So let's talk about the next fight on the card. And we're kind of going in reverse order, right? We talked about the main event first. So Mm -hmm. now the kind of second to last fight that will happen, the penultimate match. Match right. on the card is Henry Cejudo against Dominic Cruz. Now, Cejudo is a big favorite right yeah. now at minus 225. How do you see this one playing out? So, I originally, you know, I'm looking through this, right, and it's, you know, Cejudo, he's stronger, he's faster, he's younger, he's just at the top of his game. Dom Cruz hasn't fought in a long time. Dom Cruz is always injured, and, okay. you know, you hear that, and I'm reading through it, right? But for those who don't know, Dominic Cruz's career has been defined by injury. Like, he at one point, was one of the absolute best fighters in the world and then got hurt and then came back and then was just one of the best fighters in the world and then got hurt. And this is a card to me that can have a lot of variance to it, right? We've talked about this a lot when it comes to sports uh, being played during this pandemic, even post this pandemic, just how all of the variables that are there. And Henry Cejudo right now is having the longest layoff of his UFC career. Now, that, though, still was a fight that, you know, took place with... Almost a little bit more than a year, I believe it is. Dominic Cruz has not fought since 2016. Damn. And I actually like Dominic Cruz because of it. If I may huh. take you Tell through some uh, Dominic Cruz here. Now, you he, may. He beat Demetrius Johnson on October 1st, 2011. And those okay. who know Demetrius Johnson, one of the best, uh, you know, that that's done it. That's who Cejudo beat to get his claim to fame. He huh. then did not fight again until September 27th, 2014. Three-year layoff, a guy uh, named Mizugaki knocked him out in a minute. Wow. Then didn't fight again until January 17th, 2016, and beat TJ Dillashaw, who at the time was absolutely one of the best in the world, beat him in a decision, won this division's title off of Dillashaw in that fight. Those are massive layoffs. But he is used to massive layoffs. He comes back sharp. And Dominic Cruz is one of the smartest fighters in the game. 
I know it's a bit of a risk because Cejudo right now is absolutely on a consistent basis looking like one of the best in the world. But Dom Cruz is incredibly smart. This layoff stuff is not new for him. He huh. comes back fresh and rejuvenated. And I like Dominic Cruz to pull the upset here in the co-main event. Interesting. So Dominic Cruz right now is around plus 185. So that is legitimate plus money. The kind of territory we like to play in, right? Between plus Absolutely. 150, plus 200. You can win a couple of shekels. What I'm noticing on this fight, though, Kevin, and, and I acknowledge I'm a novice here at the UFC game. In the first fight or the main event, Ferguson versus Gates, it looks like this one is not going the distance. In Cejudo versus Cruz, it seems like the odds dictate that kind of points or a decision is more in the realm of possibility. Does that make sense to you? Yeah, it absolutely does. Um, again, they're, they're both very smart fighters, but they don't have the same knockout power, right? Like, as we'll see, kind of you go up through this card with the heavyweights there. Mm -hmm. Everybody's expecting knockouts. G guys who are this smart, both good wrestlers, like, it is... It, it could be a finish, but it's, of course, uh, you know, as you've alluded to, it is not the most likely scenario. But it doesn't okay. mean it's going to be boring. Not all decisions are boring. <laughs> That's true. I mean, sometimes I see these guys wrestling on the mat for, for minutes at a time. Yeah. But right. I'm looking for Brutal. the fireworks that you say will happen in the main event. You know, someone else who uh, is favored to win and I think will have some fireworks. This name will be familiar to NFL fans, right? Greg Hardy is on the card. Greg Hardy is on the card as a favorite, as a favorite to win by knockout. So this one we don't think is going to go the route. Talk to me about Greg Hardy and his UFC career. I mean, he's a minus 200, minus 205 favorite, and a lot of, you know, casual sports fans may remember him from his NFL days, but like rifles on the bed and getting in trouble all the time. You know, Dana White says, what? Come on in. You're down with us. Yeah, and this is a really, really big fight for Greg Hardy here. So Greg Hardy's last fight, he lost. And it was clearly a step up in competition, like mm. comfortably a step up in competition. And we saw that. Now, he claims that he broke his hand in the first round of that fight. And, of course, you know, you know, it's very, very difficult then to do anything with a broken sure. hand. But you could tell that he was a, a pit, a, punching above his weight a bit okay. in that fight. He now comes up here against Jorgen DeCastro, who was having only his second career fight in the UFC. And mm -hmm. DeCastro, who was 1-0 in that first fight, also beat a guy who was making his UFC debut. So this is where it's really, really interesting, because we don't know a lot about Jorgen DeCastro. And what we know least about Greg Hardy is a great athletic profile, and he has fought in bigger fights than DeCastro. But we're here now talking about the main card of nice. the show for the UFC. Now, when it comes to, you know, knockout power and knockout punches, there are going to be surprises that come on this card. And... Yeah, you've given us one, maybe Dominic Cruz. Absolutely. But when you start bringing, you know, the big boys in here, right, the heavyweights, that's where you really have your variance because either guy could land one punch and it okay. could be curtains. Greg Hardy, though, in his experience, it's why he's the favorite. I'm personally not running to the window to bet this fight. And, you know, even when minus 200 for the UFC, is it's, it's palatable, but it's not my favorite. And sometimes I, I'd love to throw some of those into the parlays, but I don't trust right. Greg Hardy to that level. So I'd rather take plus 170-ish on the Castro huh. in a heavyweight fight. Maybe this unknown guy becomes known after this sure. fight here against Greg Hardy. Okay. And I'd rather make the play on the Castro in this bout.
But to clarify, is this a play or is this kind of a stay away for you? But if you had to gun to your right. head, you would leave yes. the cash though. Yes, I'd if I if I had so to, to stay away. I'm putting it on cash though. Yes, but it is it is far from my favorite fight on this card from a betting perspective. Fair enough, fair enough. It looks like you are happy to lay the wood on Ferguson. It sounds like you're taking Cruz at plus money, not necessarily playing in the Greg Hardy match per se, but if anything, may fade him. You know, you gave us Dominic Cruz at plus like 185, plus 190. Are there any other underdogs on this card? Because you said there may be some surprises. Are there any other guys at plus money that you do want to throw out there that we could put a couple of shekels on? Yeah, I'll give you one on the prelims yeah. that in a way, this fight being on the prelims speaks to how big of a card this is. Donald Cerrone versus Anthony Pettis. Cowboy. Two of the, two of the most well-known names yeah. uh, in the UFC. And what I really, really like about this fight is that they both fought on the same card in terms of where their most recent fight was. Now, so you see the Conor McGregor uh, little thing I got here above my shoulder. Mm -hmm. So yeah. that's the last time Cerrone was in the ring. And obviously, that I know didn't it well. Go well for him either. Um, but that was, was weekend last... of my bachelor party. I know ah, it well. I see. I see. Um, that late Saturday night, yeah. I was watching the fight. So this is a rematch, though, which is really interesting. And it's actually not mm. the only rematch that's on this card. Donald Cerrone is plus 130. He yeah. won that first fight. And to me, he is he is the better fighter. Now, I've <laughs> talked again with you know people who, who know the UFC very well that I respect. I actually spoke with Gabe um, earlier this week on GTD, okay. and I believe... Uh, he'd obviously be furious with me if I got this wrong, but I'm pretty sure he said he likes Pettis quite a bit in this fight. And I, I get it to a degree, right? Cerrone here, a little bit more so on the back leg, and he, he just keeps kind of getting knocked out in these crazy, crazy ways. Uh, I mean, you know, McGregor, not, you know, TKO with, sh like, like shoulder seconds. shrugs. Like, it was, it, was, it was wild. But Cerrone, to me, is still the better fighter. And he's already beaten Pettis. Okay. And if the odds were flipped here, you can talk me into it a bit. But I'm getting the better fighter who's already won this fight. I mean, I believe Pettis is ranked 14th, and Cerrone is ranked 6th in the, Interesting. in the division. At plus 130, to me, that is worth the play. Interesting. All right, we got time for maybe one more. Sure. Um, so do you have, like, kind of a, a best bet? Or, you know, if you got someone you do want to throw out, you know, we've talked about three of the um, fights already so far, maybe four. If you got one or two others that you want to throw out as we wrap up our number one here, the early line. So I'll, give, I'll give you guys a couple things. Quickly, yeah, I will say this. Far. In the opening fight of this whole show, Ryan Spann versus Sam Alvey, you will see yeah. that Ryan Spann is a minus 400 or so yeah. favorite. This is where you need to get creative when you are betting the UFC. Now, if you want, you can throw a lot of parlays together. And that works well. Like, when you take some of these favorites and you parlay them together, which, of course, you can do uh, over right. at the FanDuel Sportsbook, no problem there. And what I will tell you is you can get creative. So Ryan's fan, a minus 400 favorite to win by knockout, is mm. plus 175. And okay. this is a guy who's, who's won seven fights in a row, and six of those seven, he has won, uh, you know, won with a finish. He has finished his opponent. Sam Alvey has lost three in a row, and two of the three times he has been finished. And there are times where the UFC... So spend by knockout right now is plus 175. Yeah, and I, I like that bet. There are times where the UFC, and they do this, they know, right? They see these up-and-comers, and they will get them in the card. They're not going to throw them a nobody, but they're going to throw them a guy who has a little bit of weight behind their name, as Sam Alvey does. He's been around uh -huh. a while. 
but they hope that Span can get there and they can begin to build their new stars. It is actually almost wrestling-esque as you have a squash match for your young guy. Right, right, right. So build them up. Take the biggest and he is Span is the biggest favorite, and to get him at a plus price, I like that quite a bit. Um, I've I've heard quite consistently that Fabricio Verdum is the lock of the night. I've mentioned um, that parlays are more than acceptable. He's a minus 300 favorite. So if you would like to parlay Verdum, it sounds like a safe bet. And the other one that I want to make sure I throw out there from the main card, uh, Nganu versus Rosenstrike, which is a battle uh, of two beasts, man. Like, just absolute, like, like bombs are going to be flying uh, in this uh, in this matchup, I like Nganu, and Nganu had a fight that had the same type of feel around it against Derek Lewis, Black Beast. They were like, "Oh my God!" Like two heavyweights, the knockout's going to be insane. And it was honestly one of the more embarrassing fights in the UFC's history because they stood there for 15 minutes and <clears throat> barely did a thing. They were both just so gun shy and spent. Really? Nothing happened since that fight. Francis Ngannou essentially lives at the Performance Center for the UFC. Always there. Three straight fights he has won, all by knockout. The longest fight, a minute and 11 seconds. Like, that's the longest. The other two, um, 45 seconds or less, Mm -hmm. I believe. Him to win by knockout, minus 130. Yep, I see that, minus 130. Rosenstrike's going to come in, and he's going to bring his power as well. But Nganu, to me, feels just like a better version of mm. Rosenstrike. I like Francis Nganu by knockout at a minus 130. The fireworks, though, that should come from that fight should absolutely be wonderful. Yeah, absolutely. So here's the thing. You're talking about this um, Nganu fight. That happens, you know, at about 10 o'clock at night. And then the main event's going to go down at about 1230 or 1. So hours of action here, yep. UFC 249. So to recap, correct me if I'm wrong, we have it up right now. It looks like you, you're leaning Ferguson, okay? Yep. It looks like you like the dog in Dominic Cruz. It looks like you like Hardy. Oh, no, DeCastro. Yes. Because, you know, he could be a rising star. And then some of these, you know, preliminary, you like even Cowboy as a dog. And then some of these guys to be parts of parlays or to win by knockout, Span, Nganu, and Verdum. Yes, absolutely. I think it's going to be a great show, and I think there's a lot there for people to bet on. Check it out. When we come back on hour number two, we turn our attention to the NFL. Some news and notes. DailyRoto.com. Learn from the game's best DFS players. We don't just give you premier advice. We play every day. All major sports, all year round, we never stop. Industry-leading DFS tools and custom projections. And now, the DailyRoto.com Optimizer. In minutes, build an optimized lineup for cash games and tourneys. Learn from the game's best DFS players. Join DailyRoto.com. 